Welcome, welcome. You are listening to the discussions. Welcome, welcome. I'll steal Eric's catchphrase. Good line. I'm Scott Henry. To the right of me, Eric Castro. And in front of me is my dad. This is a fun one. I'm excited about this. Courtney Leroy Henry, where did you serve? I served my mission in the South Korea mission. Okay. What years? Uh, 73 to 75. Okay. Okay. And it was just called the South Korea mission then? No, it was just called the Korean mission. Just called the Korean mission. Yeah, okay. it wasn't till later that they called it the South Korea mission. And gotcha. I don't know what happened for that to change, but... Gotcha. Now, this is exciting because obviously I've grown up hearing stories from my dad, so I'm, I'm very curious to see if new stories come up during this or or the same old that I love, know and love. And it's fun that he's got his stuff out as well. As I think kids, we do, I think we do a good job of probing though to get people to yes. say after they're like, I haven't thought about that story in so long. So hopefully we'll get. But I, I think, and, and and I've talked about it in my episodes previously. But my dad has always just spoke very highly of his mission, and it's always it was. I don't ever feel like the expectation was set like you have to serve a mission. But dad was always very animated about your mission and excited and like showing and talking about it. So. This is a this is an exciting time. This will be good. So so talk to us about the idea of you going on a mission. Like when did that when did when did you decide? And there, there, there's a good story that's associated with this, but what, what is happened good story with you that you remember? <laughs> well, you were you were working at a bar in Burley, Idaho, uh, in Malta, Malta, <laughs> Malta <laughs> Club. So, funny. Uh, so as a youth, my dad was kind of popular because when we would go around to particularly the ward in Gunnison or Burley, they would ask him to get up and give a talk. That wasn't anything that was unusual. Your dad being from Gunnison and your yeah, mom being from Burley. Yeah, and, and he would give a talk. And I don't remember him ever giving a talk that wasn't related to his mission. And so that was just something that, uh, that we just were used to. We were just used to. And was that, was that something too that like, cause in talking to him there, it wasn't super, super common for everyone to serve a mission at, at that, at that time when he served, was that because it was more rare for there to have been someone that has served a mission that they'd always look to him to come and speak and talk to that? There was a huge cultural change and I don't think a lot of people really understand it. Right. But the cultural change was that the state president would call you on a mission. The apostle would call you on a mission. So they'd go around to the stakes, and then the majority of missionaries were people who were already married. And occasionally, a husband and wife team would go out, but usually it was the man in his 30s and his 40s that would leave his family for two to three years and go on this mission. So they didn't apply for it. It wasn't right. like something that they wanted or asked for. It's just something that they were called to do. Carolyn's grandpa was uh, in Delta Oasis, and he was called on a mission in the late 1920s, and he served for three years. Do you recall where it was that he served? Yeah, Denmark. Okay. okay. He went to Denmark on his mission. And see, that was the culture at the time. And then the Great Depression hit, and everything kind of stalled. And so people are either frantically wanting to make money, obviously. How could you go on a mission in a time like that? 
and then the wars were coming on. So, of course, during World War II, there was no mission calls at all. Right. It just absolutely didn't happen. And so after World War II, that is when the young men started to, hey, I would like to serve a mission. Rather than the church calling you, they would say, I would like to serve my mission. And so they would apply for it, which was very, very different than before World War II. Interesting. So, so, so with you though, so j- just filling in the background, you, you and your best friend would go to Burley and, and, and find jobs and work odd jobs and, and uh-huh. do a bunch of random stuff. Yes. Had, your, your older brother and Robin, was he on his mission or when, when did he serve? Or Yeah, he was on his mission at the time that uh, me and Nasty Ralph were running around. Nasty Ralph, was that his actual name? Uh, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, his, his, his real name is Ralph Razor Jr., which is, but everybody which is almost as nasty good. Ralph. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if I could have said his name without it was. I guess it's too quick for me to respond. <laughs> and so we, we, we were itinerant workers running around just doing what we were, were doing. And so you ended up working at the Malta Club. Yes, tending so, bar, and you got yes. a phone call. That not really. What was happening is that we were building and ripping down places and doing a lot of construction and demolitions and stuff like that. And one of the people that we worked with owned the Malta Club. And he was a drunk and had problems with the law. So on occasion, he'd be thrown in jail and he would hand us the keys and say, hey, go, go take care of it for these, me. These two Mormon gone. boys are going to be able to, they're not going to drink my liquor and yep. they're going to take yep. shit. <laughs> Don't need to worry about them. <laughs> and we would often make fun of him because we knew that he wasn't good with his money at all. Right. It wasn't. case. <laughs> so, so you're there, but how, so tell the story of the phone call. Like what happened with that? Uh, here's where I kind of, I've always told a story that I answered the phone, but before you guys showed up today, I was thinking, I'm not so sure it was me that answered the phone. Hmm. I'm just not sure. Malta club. Can I help you? This is president Taylor. It's time for you boys to come home and serve your missions. (laughs) I want to see you tomorrow night at six o'clock. I remember very clearly it was six o'clock the night after that. I'll see you then. And you're just and then you jumped in the the, the Camaro and and in the Camaro. Yep, and we we drove there. And after the interview, I remember this so clear. After the interviews, we were just standing there, and he came up and hugged hugged us both, and looked at us both, and said, "Now you're going on your missions. I'm not so sure you tending bar is a good thing to do." (laughs) (laughs) Loving correction, right? And so that's when we turned the keys back to uh, Peterson. I still have an IOU for him for 150 bucks. For <laughs> I think you showed the, us that you, you've had it in your your, your chest yeah. of, of, of knickknacks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, before that phone call, had you had any thought of, of serving a mission? I mean, with, with, with Robin. So Robin was in the field at that time. Yes, or, in Brazil. So so had you thought, hey, I do want to serve a mission, or what? What was your thoughts or feelings about and it? And Robin is my older, older brother. brother. Okay. Robin is my older brother. I don't know how to be honest about that because the idea of not doing it really wasn't there. The idea of doing it 
we had so many things going on. I'm, I'm not so sure that it was there or not there. Or, so it wasn't ever an anti or we're going to do it at a certain time because we were way past our birthdays. We were we were past our time. Mm-hmm. So, so, but when he called, it was like, yeah, okay, we're going. I don't remember any debate from sure. any one of us. I, it's so it's so interesting because times have changed. Times have changed so much that now, if you just call someone who has no plans of a mission and say, "Hey, it's time to go on a mission," it's usually like, "Wait, hold on, no, 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 no." Like, I'm I'm working at the Malta Club. I'm not I'm not going on a mission, right? And so I think it's it's that willingness, the attitude, right? That 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 different generations have reflected in that, like, "Oh yeah, we're called to do something." Right. The sense of duty. Right. By yeah. the church, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I got to do. Pick up and go. Did you have, did you have any, do you feel like you had any trepidation about doing oh, heavens any point? no. No. Heavens no. I think the bottom line for me, and I think I can talk for Ralph, I got it right, <laughs> is that we we were done. We we just wanted a break from life. Right. We just We just didn't want to have to deal with reality for a while. The mission provides that. The mission does yeah. provide that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any expectation leading up to that? How did how did so once he tells you you're going, you're are you filling out any documentation to get ready or is he taking care of all of that on his end? I don't know. Okay. Because yeah, it's obviously a process now, right? Like fill in your pay like fill out your papers and whatnot. And so how does the call get received then? At, at that point after he talks to you, how long was it before you knew where you were heading to. I think two months. I think it was two months. And was that still via? Did you get a, a mail, an envelope in, it was the, mail, in the mail? Or was it on okay. Wednesday. It, it's funny. We interviewed a kid last night, and he got a text message while he was sitting call. in seminary class. Got a text message, said, "Click this link to see your call," and he had the self control enough to wait to get home. But <laughs> different times, different times have changed. Know. I don't. Yeah. So, so it comes in the mail. It came in the mail. Do you invite? Friends and family over? Uh, is it just you I, opening it? How does that work? I don't remember being a part of that. I'm pretty sure my mother or got it before I even saw it and basically held it, hey, this and this and this, and we're going to open it up. I don't remember being a part of that process. Yeah. I don't. That's okay. That I, I I'm not necessarily a fan of the big parties for permission openings i've come to that conclusion after doing lots of these that it doesn't necessarily correlate with a good missionary you having a big party and opening up your call so okay at that point then like you open it and and i think now that you say that i'm pretty sure ralph got his call at the same time interesting and there was i can't remember what the coordination was there was some coordination between my mother and boy i wish i kind of knew now but yeah, we got it basically the same day. Same day. So you open it up. Did you have any idea where Korea was, or what were your feelings? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was raised by World War II Korean vets. Just about everyone that was a part of my world were either World War II or, or Korean, Korean vets. Okay. And so we had a lot of people talk about Korea. My scoutmaster, for example, was a Korean War vet. So, so no. did that did that sour your your opinion of the country, or did that have any any like did that make you nervous for the idea that you're going to go serve there? Did you have any comprehension of it? No. Okay. No. Nothing. Nothing negative. Nothing negative. Where did Ralph serve? 
Uh, he went to uh, Japan. Interesting. Okay. Did you did you find that like was that in the realm of possibilities in your head of where you were going to be assigned before you opened the call, like something going to Southeast Asia, right? Like the, the anticipation. See again, I I'm going back in time, but all it was always foreign. I don't remember anybody saying that they wanted to speak English or do a state right. side. <laughs> I just don't remember. It was hey, we want to go to this mythical place. I think that's natural, right? As a young man searching for adventure, yeah, searching the adventure for, aspect yeah. of it, yeah, yeah. So, so I don't remember anything. So, do you what what stands out to you? If you if you can recall, how long was it between you getting the letter and you actually heading off? I think about a month, and I don't know how accurate that is. Do it wasn't very long. I don't remember waiting for any COVID things or anything. Like that. <laughs> Not yet. Did did you did you guys sell the the Camaro at that point? Uh, yeah, my my older brother bought it and took it to BYU. And I don't know how long he drove it, but I don't remember that Robin did that. Yeah, yeah. he 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 bought it okay. for the exact cost that we bought it for. Was it eight hundred dollars? Eight hundred dollars. See, you got a good I, memory. I remember it stuff. held its it held its value. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Imagine if you would have held on to it today. Cor. Oh wow! You'd really had some money at that point. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask, what do you remember um, gathering things for your mission? Like, did they give you a list and say? Hey, these are the items that you need to take with you. Okay, that's a very good question. They they wanted a very very bare bones. They wanted you okay. to be more prepared for the MTC than for Korea. And the reason was is because in Korea, you could buy all the clothes tailor made for about a third the price. <laughs> right. Of here, and so you could buy all these tailor made clothes in Korea. So why spend all the money? Yeah. Here, that makes sense when to me. You can get, and so if, for example, if you were going to go uh, in the summertime, then you didn't need a cold jacket, you didn't right. need to have anything like right. that. And so they said the thermal underwear, uh, the electric blanket that was one of those mandated things you need to take that, but the clothes, clothes because no, we 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 were. Going to those tailors, that was hmm. that's fun. Never had yeah. a better fitting suit than in a your lot. life. My entire life, <laughs> I came home and I was like, hmm, I got all fitted out before I came home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Does anything stand out? Uh, any anything you'd like to share? Any kind of memory you have between you receiving the call and you heading out? Anything stand out to you as far as your memories go from that time? Uh, yes, uh, my mother was hesitant and a little nervous. Uh, obviously because my older brother had gone and but everybody else was just on this big rampage I remember my mother says now think this through are you sure this is what you want to do <laughs> I remember the night before I left now Courtney is this what you really want to do I mean what sure <laughs> I'm glad you were given I'm like the I felt like I was the yeah, only person that was my dad the same me thing. and him in the car sitting alone yeah. we're driving to my grandparents house the day I'm leaving he's like you don't have to do this if you don't want to and I was like well no I am doing this but that's I, I feel yeah. like that's that's yeah so that, that parents love us mom. parents yeah. love us and are looking out for us but you know sometimes we gotta go to South Korea 
So, so, so then you leave, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you did not go to the MTC, right? Okay, so there's two steps there. The first one, you go to Salt Lake, and where the, the meeting house is now is where the old MTC was. And wasn't it just the mission home? And it was the mission home or whatever they called it, and it was old, 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 even at my time, it was very old. And we were there for three days. And it was very, very intensive. Uh, you walked in and you got that haircut. Uh, that was the very first thing you did. And and your passports and all your stuff, I mean, they were very methodical. Uh, and all of us had our they haircut shorter than what we... I can't remember anybody not having to have a haircut. I was just... No matter what, it was probably probably, it, probably more was, of a ritual more than anything. Yeah, it's it, like it was, you, you are being reduced down to your haircut. This is very militant. <laughs> uh, you know, it was during the hippie age. Yeah, and the haircuts were not popular. And then after three days, we got on a, a flight to Hawaii, and then we were there in Hawaii for two and a half, three months. I don't think it was exactly holy three cow. Months. Mm-hmm. In, in Hawaii. So it was at the college there at the MTC, the mission home there. And so that's where it was very cultural, language is this, intensive. Is this Laie? Is that yeah, where that's the, the, that's the island? Yeah. Is that where, so you end up, is it close to like, like the, the temple BYU, Hawaii? Is right in the BYU, Hawaii. Gotcha. Is, we're yeah. right there in the middle of that. And are, so, but you knew that was going to happen. This wasn't yes. like a surprise. Right. Um, holy cow. Had you been to Hawaii previously? Yes. I picked pineapple there. Oh, wow. A couple of years before. So I was very aware of the college there and the luau's. And so I picked pineapple two or three years before that. For like a summer job or something? Yeah. Or? They used to yeah. ship kids out in northern Utah to do that. It's rad. They they're experts in peaches, so you might as well <laughs> ship them out to go to go do that go work. Pick pineapples. <laughs> so you, you, with the, with the other missionaries that were heading out there, were you like the expert and telling them like, oh yeah, I've been to Hawaii, I know how this is gonna go? Or I don't remember anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not no. you're not gonna be the person you know being full of themselves saying, oh, I know Hawaii. I, I picked some pineapples in my life. I'm pretty sure something like that come up, but I don't have any <laughs> recollections or anything like that. But and at that point, you said those three days were pretty intensive. Did you feel like those two to three months in Hawaii were also pretty intense and structured? And They, they were very structured to the individual. And I look back on that, and I think they handled that really pretty well. So they kind of knew who was progressing and who was not, and they kind of knew how to, hey, you need to do this and do that. And, and so we were really into clicks really pretty quick. And, and so then they would build on that. So you get a group that was learning quick over here and another group that not, and they would separate you out and, and work on that, work on that more individually. As an educator, it, it can be very smart to do that, to really hone in on who's met these certain standards, yeah. take them, let's move them further, those that are yeah. struggling, let's get them to where they need to be. So that is, that is you know, an effective way of yeah. doing things. Um, yeah. 
do you did you do much outside of just learning the language? Did they allow you to leave campus at any point and do other things, or were you very? This is Hawaii. So the answer is no. <laughs> and if you need more of an explanation for that, just ask me. <laughs> I know. Did because I I know like other experience in the MTC. They've maybe said like because didn't you go out and like, yeah we we had like a couple blocks around the MTC where we were able to go exploring. We were. We were allowed to one time, our mission president took us, just the American elders, there was like 10 of us, and we just took a walk around the block. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it in Guatemala City. But um, any any other memories that stick out to you from, I mean, I'm sure there's lots, but as far as um, experiences that you'd like to share that happened while you were in Hawaii, because this is a very unique thing. I, I, I don't know. In my head, this is very unique to be sent to this beautiful island to you, then just Scott, learn a do you language. Remember any stories about that? Nothing from nothing. But you knew this had happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you? Did they give you time to exercise to do some gym or? Yeah, that was a lot. They they wanted us to be very active. That was something that they 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 wanted you to I guess be more physically tired. Yeah. Physically <laughs> tired. So tired you can't misbehave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pay attention like that. Yeah. So, what, what do you remember doing for your gym or exercise? Was uh, it just of, playing a sports? Lot of basketball. That was very much the very common. Gotcha. Thing that we did. Very, very, very common. Who's running the show? Is there a mission president yep, there? There's a mission okay. president there, and then every language had their own tier of people that were responsible for it. Now, what's interesting is that because it was BYU, uh, there's a lot of return missionaries there, and so they they would volunteer and come in, and so you'd have a good half a dozen return missionaries that would come in and schedule. Hey, we're going to come in and teach you this and teach you that and develop this and develop that. Do you, do you remember getting any visits from any general authorities while you were there? No. If we did, I do not remember. Did you in the three days you were in Salt Lake? Because I've heard yes. that's pretty common. Yes. In Salt Lake, the tradition was is that you would go to the temple one day, and then you'd go to the top floor of the temple. Right. Which, and then you would have a meeting with, uh, I would, for us, it was the prophet. Uh, I think four or five apostles were there. And so they would give this boorah lecture. And then at the end, I just remember the tradition was you could ask the prophet any questions you wanted. It sounds dangerous to me. I'll tell you, it it was one of those things that it just spread. Are you going to be the stupid one that asks a question? Uh, Who... And so one of my favorite ones, in fact, the only one I remember is one of the <laughs> one of the missionaries, and of course he got a lot of flack afterward. What is that eye in the temple? You're going through this hallway. What is that eye on the painted on top of that? What is it, Scott? I don't know. The all-seeing eye. Okay. Do you remember that going mm-hmm. to the Salt yeah. Lake Temple? Yeah. I've and, been in the Salt Lake Temple one, so I don't. Yeah. And it was for a ceiling, and we just—I remember going through one hallway up some stairs. And so, did, did he give an explanation? Here, here's what was interesting. He liked that question, so that's one of the reasons why I really liked. I—it's a fond memory because here he was just 
did a great job with that. He made it apply to everyone. It wasn't just a personal question. And then afterward, everybody's going, okay, so it was okay for him to ask that. <laughs> yeah. For at first, it was... Everyone's on kind of nervous. pins and needles, oh, yeah. goodness, what has he done? Yeah. But then it it became all okay. It's, yeah. it's funny that you say that because right before I arrived in, in, in Brazil, they had a mission tour. I think it was Bednar that was there. My mission president told me the story. And so so Bednar got up the same thing and said, hey, to the to the missionary, you can ask any question you want. But, but he prefaced it by saying... Don't ask a stupid question like "Where is the sword of Laban?" Yeah. Like, but he said a good question would be like, "How was the process of calling a new a new prophet when when President Hinckley passed away?" Yeah. And so that, it was funny that Bednar said, "Just don't ask a stupid question." That's so funny. I remember. Yeah, was that was that experience? You know, hearing from the prophet and a couple of apostles, like having them be there. Did you feel like that was a pretty unique experience, or did you did you understand at that moment that like not many people get that opportunity? Well, in our mind, everyone got that opportunity. Right, everyone going on a mission. That was just what happened. So we, I, I guess, I didn't look at it as unique or different or special at the time because that was just the standard. Right. And you even had general authorities come to Brigham City. Oh yeah, previous to that, and I think that's oh, yeah. one of the things we, we forget is the church has grown. Yeah. significantly and just the volume yeah, we, of people. We had an, uh, every year we would have an apostle or the prophet come for state conference as a kid. Elder Packer, would he come frequently? Because isn't he oh, from yeah. here? Oh, yeah. 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 He, knows like, he, he loved Miami. telling about how he's a naughty little boy and climb up the tower in the tabernacle. <laughs> oh, he would love it. And he loved the peaches then, too? Yeah, yeah he, he is a character. <laughs> that makes me smile because... He liked to brag about being a naughty little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look how he turned out. Yeah. Right. So, so you're, you're leaving the MTC then. Tell us about arriving in Korea. Uh, this is one of these things that you, you just couldn't get there quick enough. It just seemed to be forever. And then you were stuck in Japan. I shouldn't say stuck in Japan for a couple of days. Uh, and then they flew you over there. And so you had a layover of a few days in Japan? Oh, in okay. Japan, before we went over there. And uh, it was just the elders. I don't remember any anybody in any kind of authority. Hey, you got, you, you, if you don't follow the line, you get lost. And, of course, we didn't. And it, it was just amazing to us, everyone. We were just astonished about how clean Japan was. I mean, I, to this day, it reminds me of Switzerland. Mm. You want clean, go to Switzerland. Mm. So then then when you went to Korea, you could smell Korea before you got there. <laughs> the whole... It, 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 no, not even remotely the same world. Very different. Um, so you getting into Korea, are you flying into Seoul then? Is that where yes. you had... Yes, into Seoul. Um, at that point, you'd been in Hawaii learning a language yes. and I use the quotations because it is very different once you're immersed in there. Yeah. How, uh, when, once it became apparent, cause I'm sure, I'm sure it did. Once yes. it became apparent that there was still some growth needed in the language, um, was there anxiety over that? The fact that you didn't know the so language this, as well this as is maybe where you they were really good in Hawaii. They taught you literally taught you, you're going to learn that you don't know it. We're going to teach you so well that when you get over to Korea, you're going to know you don't know a thing. 
<laughs> so don't don't be upset or angry about it. You're just not going to know. You you you've been through all this and you're learning these things, but you're going to go over there and you're not going to be able to even. They set those expectations very clearly from the get go. Yes. Like, hey, you're yep. going to get over there and it's going to yes. be yeah. Okay. Yep. That's good. Do you remember who picks you up from the airport? Yeah, the mission president came. Uh, he had a, a bunch of elders with him, but the mission president met us at the airport and took us to the mission home. This is a good good time to for to have you introduce your mission president. Yep. Who was your mission president? His name was President Brown. So President Brown is the first mission president. Do, do you remember any any? Details about his personal life, where he was from, absolutely. what he did. Absolutely, previous. absolutely. So he was a young man, uh, young kids. And so nowadays, when you think of a mission president, you think of these older people like yeah. myself, 50s and olders. And he was a young man, and he was an institute teacher in, in uh, Rexburg. And when he got the mission call, because he was a return missionary from Korea, so him and my second mission president were missionary companions Interesting. when they served their mission in Korea. And so President Brown sold everything he had to go on his mission. Mm-hmm. And when he went home, he came home with nothing. And I've talked to many people that have been up to Rexburg, and they've taken classes from him. Mm-hmm. He's, he retired there as an institute teacher from there. So here's what's fascinating to me, is that my second mission president, President Till, same age. Right. Young kids, young family, and he owned uh, several resorts in Hawaii. So he was extremely wealthy. And, And I remember a letter he got, and he waved it around in the mission home, Here's this letter I got. We are doing so well here. We're so blessed. We're, business is booming. You need to stay out on your mission forever. We don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> so here's one mission president goes home penniless, and the other one comes home wealthier than when he left. Hmm. And yet both of them would claim that they're extremely blessed by their right. experience. That's, that's the gospel in a nutshell right there. Right. right. Interesting. It's interesting that dynamic. So, do you do you remember first impressions of President Brown, or do you remember what happened when you when he picks you up from the airport? His attitude was, again, from the mission is no expectations. Go out and enjoy your mission. Go out and have a good time. Uh, don't put any what's what uh, expectations in terms of the language and the culture. Just. Be be very gentle with that process there. Do you immediately go to the mission home then? or do Yes, you... You, we were in the mission home, uh, I would say, maybe a little bit under a week before we got sent out. Does he interview you then at some point and get to know you a little bit, or is it if more of just did, getting to know I don't know remember it. Okay. And then as far as you getting your first companion, did you refer to them as trainers at that point? Uh Yes. And, and then yes. how, how was, how was that? How, when did you, when did you learn, Hey, this is going to be my trainer. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if I even figured that out until I got down there. <laughs> so I went from Seoul all the way down South to Pusan. So it was a long bus ride. It was a long deal to get down there. 
I remember a good day to go from mm. one to the other. And they, they, the whole group met us there because I wasn't the only greenie that ended up. So my first companion, his name is Elder Skinner. And so, so what what are your impressions of the country besides the smell? Obviously, a bus ride is a pretty good good opportunity for you to see the countryside and see what it is. So, what what do you recall as your first impressions? That, that was one of the things about Hawaii that they were really good at introducing the culture. Interesting. They were really good. So, outside of the smell and the stench of everything, nothing really. The the mannerisms, the customs how to present yourself, uh, how to dress, all that stuff really wasn't an issue. We were very much in, embedded. In fact, in Hawaii, we, we, were, we were taught to act that way and dress that way, and we're going to act like here you're going to go to a person's home and right. eat. What are the mannerisms? What are you going to do? How are you going to present yourself? Mm-hmm. So that part was very... We, I don't remember anybody not just loving that whole cultural change. What particularly are, 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 are people loving about the culture in Korea? Okay, I'm... Con- like, did you say the people loved the change? Like yeah, the missionaries, the, the missionaries. Did. The missionaries, liked, okay. we, we really liked the, the cultural change. That was very much, yeah, we, we wanted that. We gotcha. Gotcha. The, the, again, the adventure, the something new, yeah. something different. I gotcha. Gotcha. Were there things though about the culture that you came to love and admire of the Korean culture? I know you said you enjoyed Japan being so clean. Obviously the smell's not great in Korea, but there are certain, are there certain cultural things that you came to see and, and really the, the food was absolutely beyond belief. I only know of a couple of elders during my time that they had a hard time with their food. I'll tell you, that food was so incredible. And it wasn't anything like American food. Right. We didn't, it just didn't exist. It just absolutely didn't exist. So if you didn't like the food and all that other culinary things, then you... And you You're in trouble. You're not water. getting anything yeah, else. Yeah, you, you had to drink tea. Uh, and if, because the water would make you sick. I don't remember ever drinking water there unless you were on a, on a military base. You just didn't. It had to be boiled tea or else you would get sick. Jeez Louise. How was, how was learning chopsticks? Uh, here, here's one of my most favorite memories, and you probably remember this, but we were at a, I, I don't, can't remember, but a group of, the ward members were there and we were eating and one of the mothers was just yelling at the little boy say if that blankety blank american can eat chopsticks why are you eating with your hands <laughs> look at him she put the chopstick in this little boy's hand and he just couldn't do it and so of course me and my companion we get the chopsticks out and we're playing around with him and rescued him from his mom and uh, no that no so so again, in Hawaii, boy, you didn't get to use a fork and a spoon. Interesting. So they they had you starting with, with yeah, chopsticks. You, there. Uh-uh. you learned how to do that right from the very get go. That's awesome. So how was how was your time with with Elder Skinner? And you were in Pusan, was the name of the we're area. In Pusan, uh, very 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 fun, much fun. Uh, so it was in the middle of the dead of the winter, so it really wasn't that cold down there because it was during in the south. So it was more humid and rainy. Mm-hmm. 
So the cold weather didn't really bother us much. And then we spent, I bet you, about half the time on military bases down there. Talking with Americans then? American soldiers. Uh, we did a lot of missionary work with the American soldiers down there. So that was very, very, very common. So I don't know, remember exactly how we split it up, but we had just as many people interested in the church from the military base as the Koreans. So are, are, you have a story about a military base and about getting yelled at. What's the story there, and can you tell that story? It still makes me emotional. It wasn't Pusan. It was halfway up, and it was one of those military bases that was right by the city, uh, right by a monastery that was there. And uh, they, of course, had American food. And so it was the tradition for the elders to be able to go. So you could go get the real milk, and and you'd go there and go to their uh, store. And and the the guards, we just it was fun. We it was just really a good. They kind of knew who you were, and there was and, never an issue and, for and you the, to get the on. The Irish nuns were just a hoot. They were just so much fun and. And so we had a lot of interactions with them, and they were very much involved with the military base, and they ran a little kind of little hospital hospice thing there. And and it wasn't uncommon for them to say, hey, elders, we need you to come over here and give so-and-so a blessing. Okay. So in our mind, we were basically the same religion. I don't remember ever there being anything of that No nature. tension between the two yeah. of them. So we're going into the military base, and the sirens go off. So immediately there's a lockdown, which was very common at the time. That was just their drills. You didn't know whether it was real or not. Right. You just didn't know whether North Korea was invading. You just didn't know. And so we, we said, okay. So he was big. He was this very, very large soldier, very large, huge. As it says, elders, we can't let you in. And at that very moment was returning and leaving, you could see this caravan come up, these flags on the jeeps, and he was in full dress uniform. I don't know whether he's a colonel or a general, but a full bird, big dog. Yeah. And, and he looked at us and said, where are you going, elders? I said, well, there's a little lockdown here. Oh, he scowled, and he went up to that guard and to this day, oh, oh, my goodness, you don't want to hear language like that. <laughs> and he just ramrod straight and tall. Yes, sir, sir. Yes, sir, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, he just went off on that guy, and he was just sitting there rock solid, and all the guards were just sitting there, just... <laughs> <laughs> These elders can come and go whenever they want, however they want, whenever they want, and no siren, and no... No. They're going into this blankety blank blank anytime they want to. <laughs> so, so mad that he had turned you guys away. So, did you find out if he, his relationship to the missionaries? Did he have good experiences with them at some so point? So, this then? is where it. See, you, you don't. So, this is this is Mark Twain. The older I get, the more clearly I remember things that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> So this is one of these stories that I am, I am sure has some truth to it, 
but I don't know how credible it is. It's very honest of you <laughs> to to have these memories and then also say, I don't know if this is true. But this I remember is what this I, way. Yeah. yeah, I remember it happening this way because there's most people just assume. I remember this, so I know this is how it happened. I, 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 but they invited us to the Christmas party, and so the elders went to the Christmas party, and he was under the influence, obviously. And one of my somebody asked him that very question, and so I don't know if you heard of uh, Chosen Reservoir War. Mm-mm. The frozen, chosen. Anyway, the Americans were making advances, and at Chosen Reservoir, it was in the middle of the winter, minus 30 degrees. The Chinese invaded and started pushing everybody back south. And he had uh, a group, the soldiers that he was with. He had an LDS young man who wore his garments. Boy, he told us about that. And then there was this Jewish guy that wore a hat. And then, I can't remember, a Catholic, but four of these really religious, good, 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 good guys. And they were in the foxhole. And they heard the bomb come, and it hit their foxhole. And when he came to, they were all dead except him. And he went crazy. He said, I went crazy. Why me? Why do these righteous kids and me? (laughs) And so from that time forward, nobody who was religious was going to, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. He was going to protect them at all costs. That's awesome. That's like so interesting that we were talking last night, Scott and I, a little bit about experiences that people have that aren't members of our church, but they're still experiences that are legitimate and valid. And it's the Lord reaching Uh, out to his children and and demonstrating that love. And then also through him, right? He's demonstrating the Lord's love for, for you as a missionary, right? Through this man who's had this experience and and looking out for you. Yeah. He, no, he was very, very, no, nothing. No, he was going to make sure that nothing happened bad. Survivor's guilt. was very, Obvious. Do you, do you recall what the work was like, like in yes. that first area? So what what would you guys do? How would you guys find people to teach? Uh, they would find us. Uh, okay, so that that's kind of part of the missionary where you're at. We were on the military base. Were you outside? Uh, it was an absolute adventure. Everyone, it was one of these big debates among the elders. How did you get these investigators? How did you throw it out? How did you proselyte? And it was a very fun because every area had a different. A lot of the cities were completely closed. It, it well, there were walls, and you just didn't you just didn't get to knock on a door. It just didn't happen. Where other areas, yes, you could knock on a door. And so you at a military base, for example, uh, you would go and where's the chaplain? Where's the chaplain? Uh, how many LDS people do you know here? And so I don't remember a negative experience of the chaplain there. Almost all of them are non-denominational. And so you would, who the members were and 
and who was with them. And so we did a lot of missionary work on the bases and on the outside. So being in different places, the strategy was different, different in those places. Did you find, did you find there was a, that your approach to teaching the gospel was a little bit different towards, I would assume it is, but um, through teaching the Americans in the military base and then the Koreans? Oh, absolutely. It was absolute night and day. Speak to those differences a little bit. So for the Americans, everything was very, very skeptical, very black and white, Um, very questionable. Where with the Korean culture, they didn't question or doubt anything. If you said Joseph Smith, they believed you immediately. Oh, he did. Oh, that's interesting. What did he find out about that? So they never question. I don't remember any Korean ever saying that he didn't believe my story. I don't, I don't remember it. It bothered me to the point where one day I just said, why are you disbelieving this? I mean, I wasn't. Why, why are you disbelieving it? And he goes, well, it happens all the time. I go, what are you talking about? And so I did my research and I, I lost count about 46, 47 people in Korea that had had these visions, just like Joseph Smith. <laughs> and so you've heard of the Moon Church, the Moonies. I have not. Okay, that was a very popular, this Korean fellow had this big Christian, and he had a vision in South Korea, and the church developed. And so the Koreans, they, in essence, hey, you have a vision? Oh, okay. We Great. believe that. Yeah. So it wasn't. It was an application of that religion that was the process, right? The, it's the works, right? It's the the believing is there, but then there's no commitment to it. And so I, I literally even did a track on that. As soon as I figured that out, I, I did this track and I talked to people. And I handled them. Here's what do you do with this? What's the big picture? Mm. What, what, the application is what's important, and yeah. not the religion. Where with the American soldiers, it was, hey, you need to go fast and pray about this. You need to fight. I, I never met a Korean yet that ever fasted and prayed about it. They just, <laughs> they, they just accepted it. Are, are you willing to go to church? What are you willing to do? What are you? So if, here's an interesting, I'm sure I've said this, but it was standard at the time, I'd like to know what it is now, for them to have three funerals. Hmm. It was standard. So you'd have a Christian funeral, a Buddhist funeral, and a Confucian funeral. Just to cover your bases? or Yep. <laughs> One of these is going to work yeah. out for this guy. Let's make sure we, we give him the best, best chances. So, so uh, how, I don't know if you know this, how long has, had Christianity been around in Korea then? How long had that been? Um, uh, it, it, a good, boy, as soon as... Uh, uh, when China opened up, uh, the missionaries started to filter in at that point. Uh, Japan, of course, got it first. The Shogun things is kind of a... And so Korea was kind of after that. And so I would say... A couple hundred years, maybe? A couple hundred years, uh, I'm guessing. Sure. Right. And it seems to have done okay as far as people believing it, right? People saying, okay, I'm on board with that. Um what was the predominant Christian religion down there? I know you talked about the moon 
The Moonies. The Moonies. What what other Christian denominations were were pretty big? Okay, so the Methodists and the Catholics. And the reason why is because the nuns and the monks. And so there was a lot of them that had these monasteries there at the time where they were there for a lifetime. And they were there basically to be kind of the hospital and refuge and things of that nature. Interesting. Do you... Do you recall having more success with one denomination than another? I don't remember anything of any correlation there at all. I don't mm. remember. I feel like I've asked this question a lot and people usually say the same thing. There's yeah. no I don't there's I no don't. correlation. It's just like yeah. Well there, there could have been. I, I don't I don't know how to I don't right. I don't sure. remember any I don't remember how, anything. How how were the Korean people's sentiments about Americans? Oh, we were worshipped. See, we saved them. So we, we were absolutely revered. Uh, There's nowhere we went where we didn't have some kind of a crowd, particularly the kids, would follow us just about everywhere. Uh, we were absolutely, we saved them from Satan. and <laughs> So any hint that anybody was disrespectful like to the, us. Uh, like actual were, Satan or from the Chinese? No, from the from the North Koreans <laughs> okay. and, the okay. <laughs> and the Japanese too. Uh, we were more of a savior from the Japanese than from the Chinese and the North Koreans, hmm. right? Because Japan from World ruled, War Two, from World yeah. War Two, yeah. they ruled for before that, right? Very brutal, right? It's it's sad the the atrocities that happened between those oh yeah those countries over and over, and it's been. It, you, it it's not one-sided you know what i mean like J- japan really really beat up on a lot of those countries but at some point i mean china was beating up on japan earlier than that and it's just i don't know it's it, it's a lot of terrible history <laughs> for every nation yeah. right but i was going to ask you a little bit about your trainer again can you okay. tell us a little more about elder skinner where was he from what was he like i know you said you uh, had a lot remember. of fun with him I don't remember him being anywhere in particular. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I remember th- that this being. I'm, I can't know. I don't know how to say it correctly. Uh, he didn't want to be scheduled. He didn't. He wanted to. Hey, we're going to go do this. We're going to. There's no and if we're late here or there, hey, we're just going to adapt to the situation. That's a better one. So rather than crack, 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 it was, hey, we're going to do did, this. Did you mess. feel like you adapted well to that? Or was it what you expected the I mission to no be? I had no idea what to expect. I was absolutely clueless. And, and talking later, in, in, of course, when you got to be the, the trainer and and you see how things, when you're a new newbie like that and a new, you, you don't even know if people even know how to, yeah, what did they say to me? Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't know how to grade it or judge it. Later, later in your mission, looking back, do you feel like he was doing a good job, being a good trainer, and and doing the right things? Uh, I, I think I would agree with that. But again, when I became in that position, I was somehow going to up the ante in some way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a better, that competitiveness now, now comes out. Now that I out. say that, I remember he wasn't all that, you you got to learn more, you got to learn more. I don't remember him ever, where where an I was the trainer, boy, I would talk to them and 
try to get them to learn and adapt better than. Okay. Do, do you recall how long you were in Pusan? Three or four months. Okay. And then where do you go after that? Uh, then I went to the middle area, the middle place, and there was the majority of my mission in the middle area. Mayon, Mayon, I think. Uh, um, while while you're um, while you're in your first area, by the end of your time there, did you feel pretty comfortable with the language at that Absolutely point? Absolutely not. No, still no. <laughs> at what point did you feel that, com- or did you ever feel comfortable? I never felt comfortable never. with the language. <laughs> I cannot remember one time where I felt like I felt comfortable with the language except. What do you think the exception would be? Um, bearing your testimony at some point? I don't this know. This is one of these things that hits me really pretty hard. Uh, there were so many times where I would look at my companion and say, what did I just say? And there are so many times when they would talk and I knew what they were saying without really knowing what they were saying. Mm-hmm. That that tongues and interpretation of right. tongues at occasion were just so profound. There was many times, I wish I know what I said. I'd like to know what I said. <laughs> wish I could keep that in my mind I wish and learn I could it. keep that there. There was... No, it happened a, a lot more than, yeah. And, and I, was, I was just reading, just reading in, in DNC, it might be 90, I think it's in 90, and, and the Lord kind of talks about, you know, every man shall hear the gospel in their own tongue. Uh-huh. And it's just like, like what a prophecy in Revelation to it in 1833. Uh-huh. Yeah, to this young guy, right? Who this church is really only in? Were we in Nauvoo at this yeah. point? Maybe uh-huh. not even. No, no, not even to Kirtland. I guess maybe they're starting to gather in Kirtland, like, and for there to be less than two thousand members, uh-huh. and for the Lord to give this revelation to him, because if that's if if Joseph Smith's making that up, what what kind of what the audacity that he has to say something like that, uh-huh. and then for it to come to fruition that you've got. You know, hundred and some odd years later, yeah. you're in Korea. You know, through the gift of tongues, preaching to people, and it's right. it's beautiful. But I know I, I've heard the same thing about lots of the the Asian languages that that it was still very difficult by the end. Whereas I think with the Latin based languages, you know, you get yeah. to a point where you're like, okay, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable. No, I'm not like I'm not like an expert at this. I don't yeah. talk like a college student, but lots of people were like, no, yeah, I learning Mandarin for example it's like oh no I could get through things but it still was not not super comfortable yeah. but that's I think that's special to hear hear those kind of stories because well your your son even says you know he had to work really hard yeah, for the language he felt like it didn't like come, it didn't easy, come easy, for easy me but so talking about being a trainer briefly all of us the mission president me would say don't ever just assume that you understood what you were saying. Don't ever be cocky. Right. Just say, hey, repeat that back, you know, and then you try to you try to clarify things. Even even in my last several months, it was I I never felt confident. Ever. Do, do you feel like if in every area you were at were was there a military base? No. 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 Do you feel like any extra time would have helped at all? Like if you wouldn't have spent any time on those military bases, if it would have helped a Speaking little bit? Speaking English. Or, 
Yeah, because I assume you're speaking English on the American bases, oh, yeah. right? So oh, yeah. if you if you would replace that time with just being out there, would it have made a big difference, or was it really at that point so difficult I, that maybe not? I I thought our work on the base was pretty effective. Interesting. I I think we had just as many converts. Yeah. Or, so so giving right. up on teaching to get language, but but again, it's, uh, just, it's, it's you're not question. called you're not called to speak. A language you're called to preach, preach the, the gospel, gospel right? And right. so if there's people oh, speaking wow. English there, then it's like, well, that's what we're doing, right? I'm, right? I'm called to preach preach the gospel and whatever language that means it's in. If that's on a military base and it's in English, and that's what we're doing. So, what yeah. were your impressions of going to this to the middle of the country? I mean, did you were you were you excited to get to a new area? Or oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't remember any change where I wasn't. I, there was one place that we were there only a month and. The best companion I ever had, and we were in absolute heaven. We were just, it was great. I think it was only a month, and both of us were kind of upset by it. But other than that, I don't remember saying I want to stay. It was, hey, let's move to another place. Let's go. Let's make a change. Do you, do you remember, did, did transfers come on a particular schedule, or was it just whatever the mission president decided to, to pull the plug? So there were transfers every month, but it it was a... I think in three or four months you might have gotten the traditional okay. transfer thing. We'll talk. We'll talk about this area with the companion that you got along with, and and what was going so well in that area. But what what? Why was that your both best companion? Us, best both area? of us were co-companions, so no one needed to be the boss. Uh, we both got along just great. Uh, the military loved us. Everybody loved us. Everybody we went, they just wanted to talk to us. So we were extremely, we didn't have any spare time at all, at all. That was the Book of Mormon story was there with him. Do you remember that story? I don't remind me of that one. So it, it is tradition in Korea that when it's raining like this, you didn't go out and, you unless you had an appointment, you just didn't go out in the rain. It was just kind of... So you had your time, even like light rain. Then, like yeah, you you kind of knew culturally. They just kind of shut, shut down. down they shut rain. down, okay. and and so you were at home. And so we're in our apartment doing our thing, and there's a knock on the door. And I open up the door, and it was obviously a pastor or a priest, a religious leader, obvious. And so I look at him, and he looks at me, and he said, "Our." You an elder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I said, yes. He said, I want to be baptized. Is this a Korean? A Korean. Okay. I go, what? <laughs> like, hold, hold on. <laughs> what, what? There's generally a couple other steps before we get to this conversation. Uh, I was, well, can you tell me your story? And he had a Book of Mormon that was obviously just absolutely read beyond belief. And in the back was our address and our phone number uh, from our apartment right there, Church of Jesus Christ right there, this standard thing. And he showed it to me, and I go, well, where did you get this from? And so he was at a convention uh, for his church in Seoul, and he bought, an elder came up to him and said, here's another book, a testament, another testament of Jesus Christ. And he bought it for 50 cents. They didn't give them out back then. Yeah. They sold them. Right. Yeah. And he bought it for 50 cents, just thinking, here's another pamphlet of Testament of Jesus Christ. He didn't even put it in context of any other religion. 
So he was in a little town north of Seoul, uh, kind of isolated, and he read it. And I'll tell you, he, he it was it was part of, and he became very very popular because he was teaching new things from this new book, and <laughs> and so he had all these people coming to his church, and he was teaching this Book of Mormon like you wouldn't believe, and wow, people loved it. And so he went, two or three days before he knocked on our door, he went to another conference in, in Seoul, Korea. And during the conference, one of the people from America stood up and held up a copy of the Book of Mormon and said, this is from Satan, you don't even look at it, it's evil, it's from an evil church, and you do not want anything to do with this book. He's sitting down there. Here he's been several years of <laughs> preaching this. And he's looking at the guy, and he, he said to me, he stood up and looked at him and said, well, have you read that book? And the guy says, no, it's of the devil. And he said, well, I've read it, and it's not of the devil. It's of God. And maybe you ought to read it too. <laughs> what a good missionary. He doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> and then he said, I got on the left. And then I did my, it took me, I think he said a day or so before he finally found us. And so here's, within hours, if not days after that, we got separated. So, of course, me and my companion, Elder Waters, was having the time of our life with this guy. What a ball. What a hoot. Uh, No, we got process. We just can't baptize you. We just can't. We got to go through the process. So I called up the mission president, and I said, uh, you better do something about this. This isn't anything that's easy for us. And so then we were transferred, and then I don't know anything past that point. Hmm. I wish I would have known. I know that the mission president went and interviewed him, and they had a couple elders go up there and teach was the that whole just, congregation. Was that just the fact because he was a pastor, or what? What? what why the extra engagement from the mission because, president? Because we knew that it involved a lot more than just one person. person. Yeah, we we knew that it... It's very self-aware of you, because I would have been so stoked and over the moon, I wouldn't. I would be like, oh, heck yeah, let's we're just we're, him. We're throwing let's, the water let's, right let's now. Well, we're being transferred. <laughs> I mean, it was... Right. I, Didn't I wish I had, that. I wish I had some kind of knowledge of what happened with all that. I can't imagine him not being baptized. I can't imagine it. But then what about yeah. the church? Did they have another pastor go up there and cause it? I don't know. I don't it, know. It's, it's so funny that you, you, that story is incredible, and it goes back to just the, the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. And, and um, as it says in the Book of Mormon, if you, you know, believe in Christ, and if you, you know, <laughs> if you believe in Christ, you'll believe these words because they testify of Christ. Yeah. And that that man who's saying it's of Satan, it's like, well, of course you haven't read it. Like, how could this book be? How could this book be of the devil? Like, it, it obviously testifies of Christ and, and testifies of everything that He does and, and, yeah. and did. But um, do, yeah, so, go. So Scott, so you don't remember me? Telling I do remember that okay. story now. Okay, yeah, that's actually one that I had not thought of prior to this, though. Oh, um, so you talked about getting along with with that companion really well, Elder Waters. Waters, you said. Um, what would happen when you had a companion with which you you would have difficulties or with which you'd have disagreements or I don't remember that ever being an issue. I remember being assigned a couple of elders that had issues with others. 
but I don't remember ever having a real I it's not that we all got along all the time but I don't remember really saying president I need to be swapped out I don't remember do you, do you remember if you guys had a word for, for bad missionaries uh, if there was one I don't remember <laughs> it would definitely be in Korean but I don't I don't that, that's one of our common questions is to find out the words people have for bad missionaries and every a lot more more common with the more um, recent missionaries there's always some kind of word and whether there's it be always a, some yeah. some catchphrase some some, I, I, some word I, I, for I don't it. remember it if there was one I don't so you said you were you and Elder Waters were co yes co-companions yes. that what you call it yeah so but there were there were junior companions and senior companions yeah. in certain places. And so was the mission structure also, were there district leaders and zone leaders yes. and assistants as well? Yes. Was that hierarchy pretty, pretty firm as far as like, um, our missions, Scott and I talk about this. We're, we're very, you're a junior companion, you work your way up to a senior companion, you work your way up to a district leader, then it's a zone leader, and then the few and the proud, right, like Scott over here, <laughs> become an assistant, right? But in other missions, there have been where it's like, you know, you can be a zone leader. Next transfer, you're a junior companion. Doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Just means we're mixing things up, kind of like within the church, like you're a bishop, and then you're released, and you're in the nursery, right? But our missions were very much like if you're a zone leader and all of a sudden you're a junior companion, it means like you got into some trouble and they had to do anything like that. Do you remember uh, the hierarchy being I anything like that? I don't remember anybody really getting into that kind of trouble. So I, I guess I don't. I don't remember anybody getting demoted or. No, I don't. No, now that you say it, if you're a zone leader, that you stayed there and you did it until you were released or went to the mission home. Hmm. And that's kind of how it was yeah. for yeah. us. Like yes. if you were a zone leader, that you were a zone leader until, until you, if either you became an assistant or went home. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So, so, so speaking of missionaries going home early, I know there's a story about that. that you, you, missionaries didn't ever go home early. No, it just didn't happen. It happened one time that I was there. One time, do you remember this story? Mm -hmm, I do. He had he had health problems, and he was a butthead and wasn't doing anything. He'd cover it up, and we knew he was sick. And a uh, general authority was at our zone conference, and right in the middle of his talk, he stopped and looked at him. You're going home now. This is not a good place for you to be. Your health. I mean, he went on to a lecture. He was no nonsense. And you are leaving now. And so the mission president packed him up, and and we got word back that he almost died. <laughs> he almost died. That it, it saved his life getting back. So to he was sick, and he was trying to cover up because he didn't yes, want to go he home. He didn't want to go home. Yeah. Did you know him pretty well? No, okay. no. I knew he was sick, uh, but he. You could tell. You could tell. And then how's it? No, I'm, I'm okay. But it was obvious that he wasn't okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have the opportunity to train on your mission. Yes. How, how was that experience for you? Lots of fun. It was lots of fun. I can't remember anything. I had some fun. You remember the, the baby? Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell that story. <laughs> okay. I had fun junior companions. They, they were just a hoot. They were just full of life and fun and excited to be there and... Uh, just so much fun. 
So in Korea, uh, they did not have diapers. Okay. I don't remember anything ever. I don't know about now, but they didn't have diapers. And so newborns were swaddled. And so very rarely would a mother put the baby down at all. And so every 10, 15 minutes, the mother would squat down on the ground and hold the baby's legs up and go, shh, shh. And the baby would go to the bathroom on the sidewalk and swaddle it back up. And so everywhere you went, you'd so see So these, these babies are getting potty trained pretty early. Really Holy early. Holy cow. And I've so, heard you can do this with yes. actually really, really young children. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't have the patience yeah. or temperament to do it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on the bus with this brand new elder, maybe a week or two into the mission. And we're on the bus, and this little baby comes right up to him. Of course, it's got the old thing to sort out. And the elder is playing with him and having a good time. And the baby climbs up on his lap. So all of a sudden, the baby starts to fuss. What does the elder do? Oh. <laughs> I said, no, elder, no. It's too late. We went to a dry cleaner. That's, that's Pavlov's dog right there. That sound in just conditions like, here we go. <laughs> no, elder, no. <laughs> yeah, the, other, the other one that's just, we were at this, person's place and the guy couldn't eat the food and said, elder you got to eat that or else you're going to be offensive so i looked over there and it was gone i says oh okay because i was joking with him mm. it wouldn't have been a big deal and on the way home he took it out of his pants pocket and yeah. wasn't it fish trash. like sardines yeah, and it was soup. Just, again <laughs> there's the dry cleaner see see He's heard these stories too many times. <laughs> like but have it. you heard something you haven't heard before, though? In this? Not so far, but it's good getting context on it. I think it's fun. And let me let me ask you about um, about contact with your mission president. How often okay. were you in contact with him? Were you writing letters to him to keep in, to let him know, hey, this is what's happening in the area? No, no. What I remember is that there is uh, every other month or every three months there is a zone conference. And at the zone conference, both mission presidents would interview you and sit down and, and go over things. I don't remember any phone calls at all. I don't even remember having a phone until the one in Seoul, Korea. I don't remember anything of that um, nature. Were, what were your conversations like when you did meet with them? You said during zone conference you, they'd come and... And talked, or I guess also, how often were zone conferences? Every two to three months. So, really pretty common. Really pretty common. So, uh, Elder uh, Brother President Brown uh, was more of how are you doing? What's happening? And President Till was more of how are you feeling? What are your concerns? What's going on? That type of thing. So one was more black and white, and the other was more spiritual or connected. I don't know how to say it. No, yeah. Well, yeah. What were some of the objectives? Um, you spoke about following through on commitments for like the Korean people. What were some of the other objectives you guys would struggle with to, to find progressing investigators? 
The, the big the big struggle was getting anybody to number one come to church, and number two see us twice. Uh, we would have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that we'd see one time, but after that they would just disappear. They they would just disappear. So oh, can we come see you again? Yeah. What time? And of course we'd go, and no one would be there. Hmm. They or they pretend gone. not to be there at least. Well, that, you couldn't get in. Right. So one or the other. Um, were these? Were you using the discussions at that time to memorize discussions, yes. or how are you? Yes. And and was that pretty rigid as far as okay, the first lesson we always yes. start from the beginning. And, yes. Okay. The only exception is that if they had another proposal for us, there's a few times where it was ah uh, we just want to ask some questions and. But the majority of the time, you would teach that first lesson. And that for, what did that consist of, the first lesson? The first vision. The first vision. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, I know you said people believed typically when you taught them those things. Um, were people, I guess, what was the first commitment you, you gave to them? Was it usually pray and fast? Because I know you're saying the Koreans never needed to. So were you looking for because they were already in? Were there other commitments that you would try to give yeah, them besides you, like? Can we come see you again? Here's the, okay. can we come get you to take you to the church? Uh, we want you to meet a member of the the branch president. We well, if we could get the branch president to come, that was wow. That would be so cool. Then we literally didn't have to worry about whether they understood us or not. Because right. you had a native um, speaker. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. That I hadn't thought of this before, but the the last lessons, I don't remember ever teaching them because it was it was the branch president or a Korean that you, was you, doing You found it. a progressing investigator, and at that point you yeah. could have usually somebody yeah. from the ward or branch come and help. Yeah. Which, which honestly, that's the way mission Probably work the should happen. Probably should be, yeah. Put the ward member, put the branch yeah. members in charge. Put the yeah. Give it back to them so that the the, the yeah. investigators aren't involved no, in with the missionaries. There's a picture of a guy in here that, and you, once you see him, you could see why that would be, why he, let's see if I can hurry find it. Was that Kimball? Was there just a picture of Kimball we just yeah. passed? Yeah, he came, and I'll tell you, he was a immediate celebrity. <laughs> and that picture you just passed, we're going to talk about that one too. Well, maybe I know what's in here somewhere, but he was he had he was a, a older man, very calm, and he had that white hair. And anybody in Korea that was blonde or had white hair was wiser than anybody else. Huh. So like, anybody, like almost like we think. I see, you see someone with glasses, and your default yes. is, "Oh, that's a smart right. person." Yeah. Okay, there he is, right there. So you can see him right there. Yes, 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 yes. And he he taught. Let me tell you, he he was there. Those last several lessons, he was right there and taught. And he was a branch president. Um. He. <laughs> He was, but I don't know if he was at the time that w- he was very, very much involved. And so as soon as we could get him to church and he could connect with him, it, we knew it was just a win-win. 
Was we, that in Seoul or was that the, the other areas in the middle of the country? Uh, that, that one is in the Seoul area, yeah. not exactly in Seoul, okay. but one of the Seoul areas. Were there wards and stakes in Seoul? Yes. But was, outside of that was only no, branches? it was only branches. Okay. How, how was your experience when you did get called to Seoul? Did you like being in the bigger city or did you like being kind of out uh, in the boonies? Uh, uh, it all... It all Ooh, there's pros and cons everywhere. I can't think of any area that I went to that I didn't like. They were all different. No, correct me if I'm wrong, but you you liked being in the cold area and oh suffering. The, the, the elders enjoyed that we aspect We loved of it. it. Absolutely loved it. Didn't you have a word for it when you guys were in the area that you were suffering in? Yes. Do you recall I wish I could was? remember. Yeah. Well, what, why, why were you enjoying the cold so much? Because the more you suffered, the better off you were. <laughs> There's some sound logic there, right? <laughs> and so we'd brag, oh, it was minus 20. You, you've heard of this, me waking up in the morning and every place is covered in ice. The walls are completely around the, this is why you had to have this an electric, electric blanket. blanket. Right. Yeah. Was, was, were electric blankets, was that a common item or was that an no, American luxury that you, you brought? You brought it from America. Okay. You, that was mandated that you brought that. So if there were elders that misplaced theirs or had theirs oh, break, were they in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did any, did any, any of these catch on fire at any point? I can just imagine this being. I don't, I don't remember anything like that. That's a good question. I can't imagine it not, but Never. I don't remember it ever happening. So that being a danger at times. So talk about President Kimball coming to the mission. So I know going through your mission stuff, you guys had pamphlets, and it seemed like it was a big, a big to do. The entire oh mission was there for oh, that. Oh, it was. It, it, the newspapers treated it like the president of the United States coming. All the newspapers, it was right there, front page news. So even like just normal, normal Gentile newspapers huge. we were talking about. It was huge. And this is in Seoul? This is in Seoul. What's interesting about it is that we were, we were in an area where um, you just couldn't get in anywhere. A very, very rich part of Seoul. And so my missionary command and I, had, we had two strategies that came out of nowhere. And the first one was blue roofs. And so we would look up on the hillside, and every house that had a blue roof, we would go there. And it was just amazing. Your son's done the same thing. Didn't you do it? Didn't you have a blue house? Yeah, a blue house. I was just going to say, there was a blue house that we always laughed at. That's blue like water. That family needs to be baptized. (laughs) And I knocked on that stupid house's door. I don't know how many times a day, how many days, and no one ever answered it, ever. Uh, So that was strategy number one. The second, we'd go to all the little stores. And we go up to the owner and just say, who around here is religious and would be interested? So he's out of the loop. And so, he, of course, he'd want to refer you to someone that get him out of your Yeah, so, store. so you're not bugging him, yeah. And so we were That there. second strategy sounds is pretty sound. So I don't know about is. the first one, but I like that second. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of people with that. Hey, is there anybody in the neighborhood? There was a lot. No, yeah. Yeah. A lot. And then we'd go up to him and say, hey, so-and-so, the, this person said you're interested in, uh, is he telling us the truth? <laughs> is he lying? So we were going up to this blue house, and halfway up there, very rich neighborhood, it's all 20 feet walled, and this very handsome guy comes out to get his garbage cans. 
And so I look at him, and he looks at me, and I just say, hey, how do we get up to this blue house or something like that? Because all the streets are just wandering around. He looked at us, and in English he said, uh, my wife needs to talk to you. Was that a surprise to hear English? Were, were, were there many Koreans that spoke English? There was a few. There was a few. And I go, okay. And so we go in, and here's what's interesting is that every home that we ever went into was the size of this front room. So you didn't get any big homes. It was all very right. contained. And so we go into this big house, and there was these empty rooms after empty rooms. And so you go into this one room, and it was basically this where they lived in this house. So they had, they had a big home, but they weren't utilizing the space. Yeah, it was like, huh? And so we go in there, and there's this very gorgeous lady, and she looked, she had this big look, and she said, are you, are you, are you, I had a dream about you. Was this in English or in Korean? In English. Of course, I'm going, I'm in heaven. I get to understand what you're talking about. <laughs> she had a dream the night before about an earthquake. And she was trapped in this earthquake. And two elders, two elders, saved her and saved her family and got away from the earthquake. And so here we are the next day and we show up. And so we're, we're just having the time of our life, speaking English and doing all this, and she has all these questions, and we're just having this good, 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 good time. So we really didn't think anything of it. Are, are you going to come to a church, or what are you going to do? Sure, we'll come to church. <laughs> and so we're excited. We go get them, we take them to church. And there's maybe 15, 20 people there in this little church. And we come in and sit down, and it was, it, it, it was just, and people started leaving. And all of a sudden, it was packed. And there was people outside. And we're going, what is happening? At the end of the meeting, we, we, I'm, I'm escorting them out, and there's a flock of people take me back to the house and we go down and there's a theater there and there's his picture <laughs> he was a famous movie star in Korea and so everybody wanted to go to see him and they did not like it because we're this little peon little dirt cheap church and, and there's not this big fancy thing and he heard about the, the prophet coming and so him and the mission president got together and set up the stadium. And this actor uh, made all these connections. I mean, it was, it was a big deal that this actor set up so many things, newspapers and uh, interviews, and he was very, very much a part of that. And then I was gone. I have no idea what happened to him. I was going to say, do you know. have any idea if he, if he ended up converting or anything? I have, I have no idea. Do you I just remember his name? Is it on? Is it on that picture? You yeah, got he has there? a picture yeah. of it and the, the Korean, the Korean on it. No, I no. I, Thirty, forty years ago, I would have. Could have told back. you. But yeah, I think it was closer to the back, than the front. Oh, you just Google him. <laughs> there he was. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help me because those characters aren't. They're not. 
can't really type yeah, that. No, well, I, I guess don't you know. Can, you go to the Korean uh, keyboard. So, so talk about. Uh, I know there, there's a couple stories with with President Kimball, but how how was that mission mission conference? It was really a lot of fun. It was. Everybody, it was, what's a good way to put, kind of like a vacation for everybody. All the elders came. Uh, it was um, food, and it was fun. It was fun. And to have the reporters interview you, and uh, it's it was just fun. Do you, do you remember that being, did, did it end up with, with you guys getting more investigators to teach, or was it just kind of the brouhaha, and then it faded out? I I wasn't in the mission long enough after that to even have a way of. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but he 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 told the story about fasting when he was there. That was another apostle. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't President Kimball, and I I I wish I could tell you exactly, but it was an apostle, and for some reason we knew he was fasting. Uh, I don't. I don't. I wish I could have a better way of saying, it, but we knew he was fasting, and we went to this person's house with him, and he just chowed everything down. It wasn't even remotely. And afterward, he sat us down and says, "I want you to know that there's the law of the fast and the spirit of the fast, and the spirit of the fast is a lot more important than the letter of the law." He says, I want you to know that I did not break my fast by being a gentleman in this person's right. house. And that and that thing, that is that 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 gray area, right? Those nuances are so hard to maneuver, but the idea that like I don't want to offend this person and I want to demonstrate to them like love, like Christ like. The humanity love of the situation is, is more much important. more important than me holding to this this fast yeah this right black and white right fast right that's interesting it's interesting that he would remember that that was something that i wouldn't have brought thought of he's got a steel trap for a mind this kid over here he does (laughs) does. um do you do you recall um um there being many sisters in the mission there's absolutely no sisters in the mission no sisters at all until the last month and a half two months and so when they came in, it was a big adjustment thing. And the reason was because they weren't the literal sisters that you would have. All of them were nurses or CNAs. So all of them had medical backgrounds of some kind. And they were assigned to be with the nuns, to work alongside the monasteries yeah. and the nuns to be a part of that thing. And I was assigned to be their translator for a while. So I was right there in the middle of them for a few weeks. And how was that experience? (laughs) Really different. (laughs) Different? Really different. (laughs) That wasn't your standard mission. Because they didn't know, they didn't have any training at all in the language. They didn't go through the standard missionary, learn the language thing. They, I, no. Did you enjoy the novelty of it? Yeah, it it was fun. It was fun. But then again, I didn't feel that confident, but I was their translator. 
So here I am with medical language and all this. I'm like, huh? <laughs> President Till, why'd you do this? I remember asking him that. You already don't feel comfortable <laughs> in the language, language and, and then they're doing that. Yeah, and, says, and then it's medical no, things that you know. You're going to do just fine. You're going to do this fine. Life is good. Do, was why were you, do you know why you were chosen? Maybe you were better at the language than you give yourself credit they, for. They called me because they knew I had some art experience. So when the conference came in, they wanted help in organizing pamphlets and how to set it up with the artwork and and uh, uh, stuff like that. So. Uh, some yeah, some stuff like that. Gotcha. So part of a mission assistant kind of stuff. Right. And then I was basically just within a few weeks from leaving home. So. And this was two years, right? Yeah. Okay. Two years. Um, was there a term for missionaries that were that were ready to go home that were not working at the uh, yeah, end? Yeah. Yes, there was. Uh, we, they were ready to die. Ready to die. <laughs> uh, and right from the very beginning, that was something that we talked about a lot. What are you going to do when you die? And so it wasn't ever you're going to go home from your mission. You were going to die. And so it's fun that you bring that up because every month was a year. We didn't look at it the same calendar <laughs> that you would do. So a month was a year. So you'd, so say, you you'd say like, years. oh, I'm 13. Yeah, 13. So what are you going to do when you die? What are you going to do when you die? Do, do you have any recollection what your day was like? What, did you did you have time for scripture study, language study? What was, what was the structure of your day? Do you have any recollection? The, the structure for that was in the morning. During uh, breakfast, and particularly during rain times, down times. And so we were very immersed in studying the language. That was something that was so constant, constant. And so you, you had, what did you learn today? And we would talk. I mean, it was, a, it was just an on and on. What are you learning? What's that word? How do you say it? I remember many times stopping people on the side of the road. How do you say that? How do you see? I told you you were wrong. <laughs> That's what, so funny. What about the little kid speaking English to you on the street? We we were out in the middle of out of your standard city, and uh, so it was just common that you'd have a pack of little kids just follow you. And they would have names for you, and, and they would just follow you. And we just didn't give it a lot of, we just didn't, we just, that's just the way it was. And so we got a pack of these little kids around us, and this kid right there all of a sudden started to say, I look at him, Monia. He goes, I go, Monia? What are you saying? He said, I'm speaking English. <laughs> Did you say pretty close? Or <laughs> so, isn't it interesting that Korean sounds just like English yeah, sounds you, to them? Yeah. yeah. It's just the jumbled language and, and what, it's, what it's about. You can't even make out 
like the sounds are so different that even then it yeah it just sounds like gibberish because even with again the latin based languages when you hear them you can still kind of hear yeah. things that you're like familiar with yeah it's with. like the the yeah words ending and you can there's there's right. structure associated with it which is not really there right is it were were you learning to write as well as you were learning this language or you you knew how to write fluently before you left the mtc interesting you okay. were fluent that was so easy you could read and write so quick the the alphabets were so much easier than the english there was no exception. Were they phonetic based? Yes. Was it, okay. So it was I lo- I, I, so yeah. easy. As a, as someone who like enjoys yeah, languages, I'm yeah. in love with the idea of phonetic languages because it seemed yeah. it's so much more simple. Yeah, you could you could read. I mean, this is you could read it just go on, but you didn't understand a word you said. But right. you could pronounce the it. sounds though you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sado yo, sado yo, yo yang jaga, hello. Ohio. <laughs> I don't have a clue what I'm saying. But. So to, to this day then, uh, you looking at that you have the newspaper clipping, it looks yeah. like, or something. Yeah. How, many of those, how many of those symbols do you know the meaning of? All of them. Because they have no meaning. It's just a letter. <laughs> where, where Chinese is a, a meaning. So oh, okay, the so they're, rep- they're representing the symbol a represents a word. Yes, these are just sounds. These are just sounds. Okay, do you recognize words within those? Then, no, no, <laughs> no. You I can read, read it. it if a Korean was here, maybe they'd understand no. you, but you don't know what you're saying. No, you don't. You don't have so the so a lot of people get the Japanese and the Chinese and the Koreans mixed up, where they really are very very different. So Chinese, you have to memorize. You don't get to just learn it. Right. So here's the symbol. You memorize it, and that's what it is. But ja- I know Japanese is phonetic as well in that sense that they're, yeah. th- that makes it a little bit easier. Um, did, you, did you have any missionaries in your mission that were from places that weren't the United States? Yes. Uh, we had a few from Japan. We had a few from Korea, and we had a few from Brazil. And outside of that, I don't remember. The I had elders one from Canada. I think we had one from Canada. That's a foreign land. <laughs> yeah. The 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 Japanese that were there, the elders from Japan that were there, did they already speak Korean, or were they also they learning? Had to learn. They had to learn. Did did it? I don't know how, how much you know, but did it seem like they picked it up a little bit quicker? No, <laughs> it was still, it was still really foreign. Did they speak English? All of them spoke English. I didn't know any of the Japanese okay. elders that did not speak English. That was a part of their school system at the time. Were you a companion with an elder from Japan? No, no. no. Were you companions with anybody other than Americans? No. Well, I personally was not a companion with anybody. No. Was there a part of the missionary life? I know you, you've talked about your expectations were set so that, you know, this is going to be different. It's going to be strange. You're not going to be able to speak. Uh, your expectations are set that way. But what, is there something that stood out to you as far as I didn't expect missionary work to be like this or I didn't expect me to be 
doing this when I was out here? The only surprise was the uh, soldiers. Not, nothing in the MTC even brought up that we'd be talking to American soldiers. So that's the only thing that we basically weren't prepared for. I remember the first couple of days when I first came to the mission, going on a base and going, this isn't our mission. Right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> hmm. um, the, so how would you attend church then? Would you attend Because I'm sure the Americans had their own... Church meetings on base? Yes. Would you take turns going between branches in Korea? Very rarely. I remember going a couple times on a, a, but I don't remember a branch branch. It was just a non-denominational meeting they would have. On base? On base. Okay. Uh, I can remember partaking of the sacrament at a person's, a military person's home in English, but I don't remember, well, I would say three or four times on the base. That's all I remember. How were the meeting houses for in, for the Koreans? Uh, very, not nothing fancy at all. Were they church built or were they the church bought the property? They, no, no, they were just rented. Just renting them. All okay. of them were rented. Even I, in Seoul. Even in even. In, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But outside, for sure, they were being yeah. rented. Yes. Okay. Were you ever, um, did you ever have to fill in as branch president or your companion at any point? If we did, I do not remember it. I'm sure you, maybe you would have. That seems like every time we've talked to a missionary, he's done that, it's been terrible. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a. No, if, I I don't remember. I personally know. So if it happened in the mission, I'm not aware of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Did you, besides just not keeping commitments, did you feel like there was, an objection or there was something that Koreans had a difficult time with beyond. I mean, I know you said meeting with you again, a second time or coming to church, but beyond that, was there ever like word of wisdom problems that people had or no, the word of wisdom issues were really pretty easy for everyone that I ever really talked to. Uh, smoking really wasn't a big deal there. That was more of a soldier thing. Uh, there was no coffee, and so they, they didn't have that issue. And the alcohol was more of a naughty thing. So, so really even the culture itself looked down upon it? Yeah, it really wasn't no, it really wasn't one of those things that, yeah, it really wasn't that big of a deal. The big barrier was the personal accountability. They, they did not want to go through any kind of repentance process or make any kind of commitments. They, they just, that was the big obstacle there. Do, do you remember like during zone conferences, was that talked about? Was there strategy about teaching? Do you recall anything yes. with that? Yeah, what is, the, what is the big benefit of? So that, that was the big strategy was how do we get people to overlook that and see the bigger picture? Okay. And, and I, I, I don't know if we ever, you ever come to a common conclusion with something like that. People have different ways of thinking and feeling about it. And, um, lost it, lost it. I had a, I had a good question. I so thought. food, obviously you love the food. Did you have oh any specific goodness. dishes that you, that you liked more than oh others? Oh my goodness. I honestly 
cannot say I had a negative experience. The uh, eating grasshoppers. Uh, so you'll get a kick out of this one. Uh, we were this little branch president in this little town, just having a good time. We go to this little local restaurant, and, and I ask the guy, what's the specialty here? And he tells me, and he brings it out, and we eat it, and we're just scarfing it down. It is just so good. So I ask him, what is it? He tells me. I write it down in my journal. A few weeks later, we're at his own conference in Seoul. We're at this fancy restaurant. And the waiter comes around and said, what do you want? And you, you've got that ready. You're like, right oh, there. I know what I want. I got, so I take it out and I read it to him. He looks at me and he stares. And in English, he said, Americans don't eat dog. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I, it's the last time I ate it. Yeah. <laughs> did that? Did that? Did that repulse you at that moment to know that you had done that and eaten dog? Or? I, you know, that's one of those things that you just go, oh, oh, oh okay, because there is no such thing as a pet dog in Korea. If there's Lots a of dog wild on dogs. The loose, if there's a dog on the loose, it got caught and eaten. The the old man would build a fire right there on the street and cook it. So were there packs of wild dogs around no, then? They, no. They, if, they kept no. the population down because yeah, they're getting it, eaten. It, <laughs> just like, just like uh, the wolves. You no, know, what was the control. crazy dog on your mission? What did you guys call it? Lizard dog. Lizard dog. There, no, just, there, there's more than a few times that we saw these old guys chasing down these dogs. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. The food was so good. So you had rice every meal. So for breakfast, you'd have rice. You'd put a little sugar in it. Sometimes on just white rice, sugar just and white rice? Sugar on white rice. Okay. And, and if you, we were by a military base, you'd put milk on it. And then you'd okay. have kimchi with it. So you had kimchi every meal. And then for lunch, it was either rice and some noodles. And then for dinner, it was almost always fish and noodles of some kind. So, very, very, very good. Do you remember eating in members' homes frequently, or how were meals managed for you as missionaries? Uh, I don't remember if there was any kind of protocol, but everywhere we went, they would feed you. They'd feed you something. Something they would feed you. So whether it was a meal, I, I don't remember it ever being a negative situation at all. I don't remember it ever. Um, do, did you do a lot of cooking then at your own apartment? Okay, so it was always buying question. food. No, we had servants. Oh, okay. So we were extremely wealthy. Uh, looking back on it this day, it, it's, we had we had a butler. We had a person that did our clothes. Uh, they did the cooking. Uh, the, the usually the landlady that we rented from would cook for us. Was that was that something that was a normal? Yep. The, just for missionaries, though, or was that normal for? No, that okay. was just for the mission. I don't remember anybody. In, well, the rich guy, yeah, okay. yeah, but that's the only. But do you, do you know if the mission president set that up? Like, would you were you going into an apartment? I have no where, idea. Okay. I have absolutely zero clue. I just You'd show it. up to a place and you'd already have your, there's, there's your cooks there. already yeah. there the for cooks you. That, it was usually the lady, the landlady, the landlady. that had the, had the apartment. 
that was usually the setup there. Yeah. Um, do you, Scott likes to ask this, but I'll steal it from him. Do, do you remember any interesting animals or any creatures that you saw while you were there? Yeah, the the besides the dog the, on your the plate, rod, the rodents <laughs> and the spiders, and so we were on the tall side, so we had to be very careful going down the narrow roads. Most roads were very very narrow, and they had these tall walls, so we had to be careful with the spiders. And then there was rodents and mice and rats just about everywhere we went. I don't remember us being bothered by them or anything of that. I don't. But I don't remember any wild animals outside the city that we ever saw. In your mind, what was the most difficult thing about your mission? The language. And then what was the easiest thing about your mission? The food. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Do you... Do you... Recall, because I know you said uh, your challenges between the military base and the Koreans were a little bit different, right? Um, did you have more success as far as getting people to join the church with the Koreans or with the Americans? I don't see any difference. I look back and I wish I would have kept notes on exactly, but honestly, don't see any difference. And as far as baptisms go, was there a font you guys would go to, or is that usually where you'd head to? Yes, okay. and it was usually in other churches. I, I only remember one place that had a, a baptismal font for us, and it was all cold water. I remember it being, there's no such thing as hot You're water. You're baptizing people into the Lord's Church and just some yeah. other yeah. church. <laughs> so. yeah. I remember one, I remember one place where a lady was there hours ahead of time, and she was boiling water and dumping it in, and boiling water and dumping it in. <laughs> That's smart. It's interesting that I would remember that. Yeah. Do you do you recall how the interview process for baptism worked? Was it who interviewed them for baptism? Okay, it was usually a zone leader and a branch, a bishop or a branch president. Okay, together. So simply because of the language barrier. Gotcha. And so I don't ever remember it being a one-on-one thing. Hmm. And the interviews were very different from the men and the ladies. The ladies, the interview was very, very, very different. It was not even the same. Why is that? Because there was two types of ladies in Korea at the time. There was only two. I, I never knew or heard of an exception. You either were a prostitute or you were a lady. And if you're a lady, you are not naughty. You did not smoke. You did not drink. You were a good person. You were honest. You were truthful. You told the truth. No. So for you to ask a lady who wanted to get baptized, is there anything in your past that you would like to confess? You were very offended. Hmm. Interesting. Very offended. So the interview was... Here's the expectations. Uh, is there anything about the commandments or anything that you'd like to discuss? Is there any concerns you have about your your husband or your dad <laughs> or, or anything like that? That's but boy, if you uh, is there anything in your mm, that was basically accusing. So you just ask, you just being, ask them like, hey, do you have not about the past, but like, hey, 
These are the commandments. These are them. Do you have questions See, they, about that, it? That all went through the lessons. Okay, so so they all they all knew the commandments, but the the tithing and the word of wisdom was something that was different from them. Now, here's what's interesting: is that the tithe for the LDS Church was very easily accepted because. It was almost always less than any other religion that was Nice. There. We're giving them a discount. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember yeah. doing any of those interviews no. yourself? I do not remember ever doing an interview. Do you remember ever having an interview for one of your investigators go wrong or go awry? Uh, no. Hmm. No. No. And I would tell them, because if they were a man, I would just say, hey, I know you were in the military. I know I know the drill. I understand this. So if you think for one second you can just kind of get baptized and run away from this kind of stuff, it's come on. serious. No, so no. So I was very, very, very proactive. Mm. And I go, don't don't look at it as anything. I know the culture. I understand. I, I get it. So so don't run away from this. Just man up and life will be good. Do you, did you did your outlook on military change after serving a mission? Because I know you said you grew up with lots of people who had served in the yeah. military and whatnot. Did you see a different side of the military that you hadn't, you weren't really familiar with? Absolutely, because you you've got the barracks and you've got uh, the military bases, very very walled in, very isolated. You went into a mini America. You walked into an army base and you couldn't tell the difference between that and Brigham City. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trees were all the same. The grocery store was the same. <laughs> bathrooms were the same. We loved going to a bathroom. Koreans didn't have bathrooms. It was just a hole in the ground, right? It was just a hole in the ground. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, going to the military base, mm-hmm, you bet. We're, we're game. Did, I, know, I know our outlook as a culture has kind of shifted as far as our outlook on on military personnel and 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 the like the like Scott said the duty like it's something that's uh, that I think past generations revered a lot more yes and reverenced maybe um, did you ever get did you ever feel while you were out there like oh yeah I think joining the military would be a a good thing to do in Korea absolutely because I already knew a little bit about what you're getting into. And in Korea, you are revered, you are worshipped. You know, the the love and respect and adoration that a military man got, any American got. So you think about literally at that point in time in America, where soldiers were spit on, they were baby killers. They were there was right. no love there at all. Mm-hmm. And now you got this these people serving in Korea, where the whole culture they didn't want to move. Many of them say we we want to stay in Korea. Many of them were there for years and wanted to stay there because of that culture there was so incredible versus other places. Interesting. I, in our time at Sprint, I would talk with people from the Air Force frequently, and there were two places that that they loved being stationed in. And Germany was one of them. They loved being in Germany, and Korea was one that they yeah. also really enjoyed. Yeah. Out of it, out of all the places around the world, people had been stationed. They said they really yeah. enjoyed those I'm, two I'm different not places. Surprised. Um, okay, are you, do you have yeah. anything else before that? Well, we're we're getting close. Any any stories or anything that comes to your mind that didn't come up? Any stories that came to your mind during this that we've talked to you in the you, past? You played the hits. You played the greatest hits. 
Okay, so uh, nothing really comes to mind. So okay, so we we ask everyone, um, and and you've kind of answered this throughout. But what were you most worried about leading up to your mission? And then the follow up is, what should you have been most worried about? Concerned about? Uh, I was a lot worried about the cultural acclimation, but that was absolutely zero. I should have been more concerned. In hindsight, I wish that I would have been studying the language even before. As soon as I got that letter, I wish I could have started yeah. on the language. And no, you can't get ahead of that curve. Mm. You just can't. Okay. Just can't. What What advice do you give future missionaries? Always operate out of love and curiosity. Always operate out of love and curiosity. I'm going to serve my mission. I'm going to love what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to put any kind of hallmark or got-tos or anything. I'm just going to go and serve and have a good time, and I'm very curious to see how many people I'm going to talk to today rather than I only saw four or I Mm. should have seen eight. Uh, It's the intentions, the love and intentions that's far more important than crossing off a box that's good that is good. that's really good that curiosity part is is it's a good way to have an outlook on life as far as like you know our my expectations are let's let's go see what happens yeah yeah let's get out there and see I like let's it. have an adventure yeah and it sounds like you did have one yeah okay how many people are we going to talk to today how many people what what i mean so you go hmm so if you're acting in good, think about it. If you're acting in good faith, and meanwhile, then what happens happens. You're far more and anything is success. Well. And yeah, yeah, it's handle good. things well than the other way around. I like it. That makes sense. Okay, Elder Courtney Leroy Henry, yes. Seoul, South Korea. What was what were the dates again? What years? Seventy three to seventy five. Okay, awesome. Thanks for talking to us, Court. Thank you so much.